Okay, everybody, this is your host, Sam Varner of the She Needs Grit podcast. And today I have a treat for you for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, I get to chat with another Canadian. So get ready for some Canadian discussion, people. We are definitely going to go there. But Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really, really pumped. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. I'm super stoked to be here. Okay. So (laughs) I don't even know where to start. I'm like, all right, what do we want to talk about, Heather? Do we want to talk about, I want you to give everybody a little picture of, I'm trying to decide what part of your life we want to talk about first. Let's go with your athletic history. Do a little rundown of what kind of an athlete are you, Heather? Because it's a pretty cool story. Okay. Well, what kind of an athlete am I? In terms of my credentials at the moment. Yes. I am a four-time Olympian, two-time Olympic gold medalist in bobsledding, but I'm also in the World Rugby Hall of Fame. And I also competed internationally in track cycling, but just for one winter to rehab an ankle injury. But that actually made it my third sport, representing Canada in my third sport. So that's kind of the height of where I've taken sports. That was a pretty good nutshell, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all that being said, I actually didn't start taking sports seriously mm-hmm. and actually training for sports until I was 27. So the only reason, I mean, I played sports my whole life, but just for fun. I grew up in a very academic family where sport was always extracurricular to what I was going to do to earn a living. I also grew up in PEI in Prince Edward Island, the smallest mm-hmm. Canadian province for any non-Canadian people watching or listening, which when I was growing up was only accessible by boat or by plane. So Mm -hmm. now we have a bridge, 13 kilometer bridge, which helps. But when I was growing up, like there weren't people around me training for the Olympics. So Olympians, they were TV people. I just never considered it to be a possibility. It's not that I said, oh, I can't do that. It's just that it never really occurred to me to be an option or a choice. That was kind of it. And even through university, I played three varsity sports Mm -hmm. and still I never lifted weight. I was just playing for fun. I also made the national women's rugby team without having lifted weight. Like I just didn't even know we had a national women's rugby team when they announced that I had made this long list for this team. (laughs) So yeah, I was a bit oblivious, not going to lie, like a bit oblivious going through, but I mean, I think in a way that was a blessing for me. And especially in hindsight, realizing that I was able to make more value-based decisions when I was older, instead of just feeling the pressure going all the way through of having to do something or having to please something. I also feel very blessed that my parents weren't hardcore sports people. Like they care the world about me and my siblings, but they could care less if we played sports. They want us active and healthy, but you know, I don't know what would have happened had I grown up with like hardcore parents who suddenly gave birth to an athletically gifted child. And at the time, like I say that now looking back, but you know, at the time I probably would have revolted or burnt out really early or who knows anyway. So that whole journey with them actually starting to take it seriously started when I was 27. Mm -hmm. And that only started because I was suddenly faced with this challenge of seeing if I could qualify for the Olympic bobsled team and represent Canada in the next Olympics, which were less than five months later. (laughs) So that was my very first, like, it was honestly in that moment when I realized I am fueled and motivated by challenges, not Mm -hmm. not motivated by winning. I'm motivated by challenges, like almost as implausible or as unlikely as that goal seems. It wasn't so much about proving I was the best. It was just 
challenging myself to see how close I could get to that. And that's actually a strategy that I use with my clients a lot with how they set their goals and like where they set those and how they actually perceive those goals. So yeah, it's been really interesting. Like I really feel blessed that my journey was very different than most Olympic athletes. And that's my athletics in a nutshell. (laughs) I love, I think just the I don't know what that is, kind of the inspiration behind that of like, okay, there is never a time where you couldn't accomplish a goal if given the right motivation, the opportunity that presents itself, right? And I think sometimes whether we're talking about athletics or whether we're talking about anything really in life is that we get these ideas in our head that you can only do it a certain way, or it's always been done a certain way. And you can't kind of buck that. And it's like, nope. I 100% agree. So, so my master's degree is in occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about that profession, what I still love about that profession is the fact that I could help shift my client's perspective, my patient's perspective to help them see the possibilities that still exist, regardless of whatever challenges they're facing. And Mm -hmm. occupational therapy is all about achieving a goal, whatever goal is important to them and making them realize you don't have to get there the same way as anybody else or the end point. Your life does not have to look like anybody else's. And I think Mm -hmm. we get stuck in our heads. We get stuck in our minds. We're very much, especially now social media, all about comparison Mm -hmm. and comparing ourselves to others can be paralyzing can literally stop us on the tracks because of the self-doubt, the lack of self-belief, all of those, just the questioning, like the over and over and over in our heads, like that we can't be like that, or we can't, you know, we're often comparing our chapter ones to someone else's chapter 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not fair, but we're not doing it intentionally and it can literally sabotage us. I agree. Although it's funny, I was having a conversation this morning with another business owner and she was saying she thinks comparison is absolutely critical. And I was like, mm, okay, let's really? talk about, yeah. Let's and talk about that. And the way that she brought it up and I'm like, okay, I can actually see this is having the ability to compare yourself from a reflective standpoint. So from a, could I do better? Can I do it differently? Can I exceed what they're doing. So not necessarily from a, oh, they have more than me. They're better than me. They've accomplished more and therefore I can't, but instead using it from that fuel of, well, if that's possible, that person's achieved that thing. Yeah. I can do it better. So really, it really comes down to just mindset and how you choose to perceive that comparison. Yeah. And where you place it in the category, do you place it as something that's deterring you from doing a thing or is Mm -hmm. it the fuel? And if it's yeah. the fuel, then like compare away, that's going to have <laughs> a great perspective on you, right? And I think it comes down to whether or not you know yourself well enough to identify what is the thing that drives me, right? So when we were talking about you being driven by the challenge, not necessarily by the accomplishment, knowing how we are actually driven, then I think you can use that comparison in a way that works for you, or you can avoid the comparison if you know it's going to be a deterrent, right? So I love that and kind of thinking like, okay, is it just about how we use it rather than... Oh, the ability to shift perspective and see different ways of looking at something is I think one of the keys to being able to to be successful in anything. And mostly because Mm -hmm. you've got to help overcome the challenges that are inevitably going to pop up along the way. So like when I'm talking to people, yes, like there's a podium process that I help people go through and, you know, dream, plan, pursue, and then execute if it's a performance-based thing. But Mm -hmm. really if you separate those sections, 
It's the transition from one section to the next. It's our self-sabotage. Like what stops you from actually wanting to do something and actually making a plan for it? And then what stops you from, after you have a plan, actually following through and going through Mm -hmm. with that? Those are often self-sabotage. And then within those sections, you get the obstacles and challenges you're facing, you know, the things that pop up you know, on a injuries or high inflation rates or, you know, you know, interest <laughs> have gone up. Yeah. Exactly. All that mm-hmm. stuff. So COVID like all these external, you know, challenges that we're facing. Yeah. It again is your perspective and your mindset that will dictate whether or not you're going to choose to stay where you are and not mm-hmm. move forward or whether you're actually going to choose to overcome, like, how are you going to overcome that? And how are you going to get past that? I love the how I think, and that was exactly where my brain went as well as there is a way to do this. And therefore, what is it? Right. I feel like that's one of the lessons. I mean, my clients face that all the time, but I think I see it even more so day to day with my kids where it's trying to shift them into the growth mindset piece rather than into the like, this is impossible. I can't do it. It's terrible. It's math homework, whatever the issue is at the kitchen table. Right. If you teach people to live in the how, just Mm -hmm. How, like, how can I do this? How can I overcome this? How close can I get like that challenging one? Like, yeah, sure. I just had hip surgery. I don't know. Maybe I won't be able to make the Olympics, you know, make that team in less than nine months, but you know, how close can I get? Like that's Mm -hmm. also that how close can you get? It's such a powerful statement because it can disempower naysayers around you and it can re-empower the one saying it. So if someone's like, do you, you can do that? Or like, you can be like, I have no idea. Like, probably Maybe. not, but I just sure to want to see how close I can get. So as soon yeah. as you say that, you're like, you know what? I'm yeah. taking it away. I'm owning the fact that not achieving the top, top, top is a possibility, mm-hmm. but I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm going to just see how close I can get. And it disempowers them and it re-empowers you. And whether that them is the voice in your head or whether mm-hmm. that them is an in-law or a neighbor or a classmate who is envious of what you're doing, like whatever that is, that one statement is super powerful. So how do you think that mentality was instilled in you? Like, that's my question is like, do you think that was just in your DNA? Or do you think that was something that was nurtured, maybe not through sport? You know, as you said, your parents were like, we love you. It doesn't matter. Like sports are not our thing. We're not those crazy people. Well, one, fortunately, they never said I couldn't Mm. do something unless it was going past my curfew, but in terms yeah, of like, then that, absolutely, not, then it was like absolutely not, but I mean, <laughs> if it was like my sister, for example, when she was young, as ridiculous as anything was my parents, they were teaching us almost foresight and they were teaching us about visualization and they were teaching us about mm. like breaking things down and how to get there. So my sister, she was young, wanted to be a chickadee, like a bird. She wanted to be a bird when she grew up yes. and her parents never said, you do know that that's not ever going to happen. Right. Why? Why? I mean, you don't need to crush someone's dreams when it's not really going to be an issue later. <laughs> yeah, This is um, not going to be a long-term problem that we're having. Yeah, probably not. You can sort but it out no maybe. So my, all my parents did was say, what would be the first thing you would do? What's the first thing you're going to do when you become a chickadee? Or if you were to become a chickadee, what would you do first? Or what would be your favorite part about that? Or whatever. Or if I said yeah. somebody that would be an astronaut, it was like, oh, that would be neat. What do you think an astronaut, what do you think it would take? Or what do you think an astronaut needs to know in order to be an astronaut? Like, what do you think they need to learn? And Mm so all of a sudden I'm kind of inadvertently learning how to break things down or the qualities that you need to be a certain thing, or you're visualizing yourself in that moment and what that would look like. It's crazy. There's no need to step on, trample, whatever anybody's visions or dreams, because 
I mean, it is what it is. They will be what they will be and they will shift a thousand times, even within someone's small business, they Mm -hmm. will shift whatever. And sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes it's trying something you think you would love and realizing it's not actually what you want and Mm -hmm. something else. So in terms of instilling, was it instilled in me? Was I born with it? I was not born knowing that I was motivated by challenges. And that's partly because I wasn't challenged very much growing up. The opportunity wasn't presented so that you had to test right. that. So right? I wasn't really challenged in sports. Things came a little easier for me, but again, I was yeah. in a small town. So yeah. like even academically, you know, I struggled more at university, not because it was harder, but because I had no study habits. I didn't really have to study <laughs> yep. high school. Like you kind of learn things differently. But for me, it was the jolt of realizing that I could have just very easily have just been on autopilot and, mm-hmm. you know, gone through my life instead of actually discovering what opportunities lie beyond those boundaries that we've kind of set for ourselves. So I love that thinking about it in terms of, I think all facets of our lives, right? It's one thing to say, what are we doing in the physical realm? Like, what are we capable of? I love the idea of if the challenge isn't big enough, you're never going to even know if you're capable of right up until that. Maybe you're not capable of the thing, but you got within you know, a hair of it. And that's pretty damn cool regardless. But also from a business perspective or from a career perspective, looking at, we get used to the steps. Like we get used to the height of the step and thinking like, okay, well, yeah, every single time we get a raise and then we go up and we get this raise or we get to this promotion. And, you know, if you're in a career and then as an entrepreneur, I think it's very similar. If not, you don't build in enough steps as an entrepreneur, potentially as you go anyway. I love that though. I love thinking about it and going like, no, think bigger. Push bigger. Like, I wanna, here's your goal. Yes. But what's your stretch goal? And yeah, what's the thing that right? actually scares the shit out of you? Not yeah, the one that's like, try that and just see, you never know. Let's see how close we can get to that. Once you start breaking that down and they see the steps, that's when they actually can see the possibilities. Like mm-hmm. you see the one other thing that I promote with my clients and try and instill in them is that we're never pursuing guarantees. We're True. pursuing possibilities because there mm-hmm. are no guarantees in sports. There are no guarantees in business. Yeah. There are no guarantees in life. You never know what curveball is going to be thrown at you health-wise or you know, financially, whatever. There are no guarantees. Yeah. If you're pursuing something that is a guarantee, more likely than not, there's not going to be a whole lot of magic that's happening in there. Like it's, yeah, you're not going to be testing yourself. You're not going to be, you know, <laughs> discovering what you're actually capable of. So. Where are you headed now? What's the next stretch goal you have? What are you actively pursuing right now? Yeah. So with my business, I'm mostly speaking at conferences and association events and, you know, for corporations and stuff and doing some coaching, mostly Mm -hmm. private coaching, but it has been on my brain for a really long time. Like we're talking years, long time, Mm -hmm. like multiple years, long time. (laughs) I have notes from like six years ago, eight years ago on this. I'm finally in a place where uh, the timing is right. And it is a really good time in my business where I'm at with being able to coach and help people through things. And so I'm adding retreats to my business. So I'm just offering retreats as an opportunity for a couple of reasons. One, I really feel like we are in a desperate need now to disconnect, to reconnect. And mm-hmm. by saying that I mean disconnecting from like the noise of the opinions, values, and expectations of other people mm-hmm. so that we can actually have enough space and separation from that to be able to hear our own hearts and souls and our own thoughts 
about what we actually really want without the pressure of someone hovering over our shoulder and, you know, imposing their own expectations on us. And I think that's really hard to do when you are still at home in that environment with whatever. So for me, it's about that total removal and disconnecting from everything to be able to be kind of present. Now I've got to say a lot of people are like, Oh, is it like a yoga meditation retreat? Well, I am not a yoga or meditation person. People can do yoga there if they want to. I have no problem (laughs) with that. But for me, meditation, I have come to learn. I used to think I was terrible at it. And then someone, I have also thought that about myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have thought that about myself. I thought it was terrible, but because I couldn't turn my brain off. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that I started looking at the times when I do turn my brain off and my brain turns off if I'm gardening, if I'm sitting on the deck at my cottage, watching birds, watching like stuff. If you're in an environment where you are absorbing what's actually happening in your environment, mm. you're able to take that in. If you're puzzling, like things that are kind of consuming yep. your thoughts at all times, like that to me, I noticed because we have a little family cabin. And that is an escape for me. Like when I'm there, things can go away and mm-hmm. I can just literally be present. So for me, my definition of meditating, which someone kind of suggested and reinforced to me was just the ability to be present in that moment. And I think that we are so not present in that moment. And if you're present in that moment, you're not thinking about the work that has to be done okay. or what Sally Jane wants you to be doing next week or what you feel like you should be doing. You're just literally in that moment. And mm-hmm. when you're in that moment, then you can actually clear your mind and you can actually start allowing yourself to think about what you really want for your life and what you yeah. really want for your business. Sometimes in business, we're pursuing these levels in the business that we think we're supposed to be achieving. And Mm -hmm. I tell people, just because you can does not mean you should. So just because you can, I have a client right now and she owns a very successful business. And she kind of came to me at a point where she could take her business to like another million dollar level, like milestone, but she was also not happy. Mm -hmm. She was also feeling anxious, like a lot of anxiety about things. And when I said that to her, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So there's a difference, like one realizing yeah. that you can do it, but also yeah. realizing just because you can does not mean that that's the right step for you. It might be for someone else. And you might feel that pressure of being like, oh my gosh, you need to do this. Or you need mm-hmm. to take, you can totally do that. Well, yeah, thank you. I flattered that you feel that way, but that's not the life that I want, or that's not what I, so it's just been a really remarkable thing. So for this retreat, it's that disconnect to reconnect, but it's also combining my love for travel. So they will be destination retreats and I'll probably have a couple every year. Part of it is taking in someone else's culture, doing really yeah. cool experience activities and things that you wouldn't necessarily do somewhere else. You know, we talk about, you need, you know, rest and recovery. Well, that's not the same thing. We kind of say rest and recovery as though it's the same thing, but they yeah. are not. You can rest your body and your mind just by binge watching Netflix on the couch. Like you can mm-hmm. resting yourself. But actually recovering yourself means like filling up your bucket, like the things that actually bring you joy yeah. and lift yep. you up. And so for me, it's about providing kind of an opportunity for people to live the width of their lives instead of just autopiloting through the length of it and bringing really cool experiences and also that opportunity to kind of tap into what's important to them so that they'll be reinforced and re-empowered when they get back to the noise, when they get back home yeah. to where they are. So. Yeah, which doesn't happen if you lay on the couch and watch Netflix. 
No, doesn't. Right. You sit up and you think, nope, my whole life's still here and it's still a disaster and I still need to deal with it. And I have no insight as to how still. No, I'm not saying I don't sit and watch Netflix. Like there's a there's a time for that and absolutely hundred percent. Like there's zero judgment here. But I I do recognize that that is not recovery. That is resting and it's not you're still not recovering. So it's about finding those things that do light you up and bring you joy. And whether it's a hobby or whatever, that's recovery, but it's also stepping away from that environment, that noise that is adding the pressure for you to be a certain way or to live up to a certain identity that you might not even identify with and that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm really excited for this. Those sound fantastic. What is your plan for that? Do you have dates? Do you have a plan yet? Yeah. Or is it still kind of, oh, good. So tell us. Well, the plan was second week of April in Morocco, but because of the recent earthquake, we might actually push that back. Yeah. It might be a little too soon to go there. I do know some people who are holding retreat there right now. Okay. Um, it's fine. So I still might just wait a little bit instead of the second week in April, just because we have to kind of do some location shifts. It might be in May. So we're looking at April or May next year. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I love that so much. I think that there's so much value in taking the time to assess, right? Because sometimes Uh, we've put the pressure on ourselves. Sometimes it's like, oops, I created a box for myself, stepped into the box and then duct taped it shut and thought, well, shit, I guess this is where I am, right? But most of us hopefully have a lot of life to live continuing beyond today. Why do it half-assed, right? Like how do you- Those how questions I was asking, like, how can I do it? How can I overcome it? You know, how close can I get? Most important one though is how can I thrive? And thriving isn't just like living through your life. It's like all of it, like actually living your life. So something I came up with recently and I just talked about in a recent keynote was flipping the script. Mm. I don't know if you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, maybe. I I was definitely inundated with Bruce as a youth. So he has a song called One Step Up and the lyric is one step up, two steps back. The expression as I've heard it was always two steps forward, one step back. Me too. Two steps forward, one step back. But regardless, both of those still share the same sentiment of discouragement. It's both like- Very much so. Implying like you're trying, you're working so hard, but you're just not making any progress. Like you just feel like you're not going anywhere and you're getting pulled back. So maybe instead of a phrase of discouragement, we have to flip the script. And instead it's a phrase of strategy on how to make progress. So instead of two Mm. steps forward, one step back, maybe it's supposed to be one step back two steps forward, meaning that we need to stop and take a step back for two reasons. One, so that you can actually be rested and recovered and actually know where it is you want to go, but also so that when you step back, you have a better perspective of everything. You have a better perspective of seeing the big picture of where you want to go, of how you're going to get there. And I think that that is crucial. It just hit me and I was like, maybe we need to flip And so I think of these retreats, I think that there will be some people who may make it an annual thing where Mm -hmm. it's their time to, you know what, I'm with really, you know, cool people doing really cool things, but I also get that time to actually get away from all that racket and just tune in, just do a check and just tune in to make sure that I'm actually pursuing what I want to be pursuing or is there something else and just getting back realigned with what they really want. So Mm -hmm. I feel like with some people, it might actually be an annual recharged an annual like recovery for them. So I love that so much. I'm like, Ooh, one step back, two steps forward. Like that will forever be in my head now as an alternative to that. I know. Don't you think like, yes, that's the way I want to live. Yes. I don't want to assume you just keep staying stuck 
in the whole, like that you can't actually dig yourself forward because it does feel like such an effort. I love But that. we all have those days, whether it's a big thing or whether it's inevitably grind. Yeah. You know, when you're so tired and you're like, oh no, I have a deadline. I just need to plug through this and plug through this and plug through this. Mm-hmm. And then if you literally just stepped away and went for a walk outside around the block and came back, but in the moment you're like, no, I can't, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Yeah. I don't have time it, for that that feels too hard. Like that feels that's like it's too, taking yeah. away from the thing I need exactly. to do. Exactly. And that's uh-huh. when you're all confronted with that same feeling. But yeah. if we can kind of train ourselves to be like, you know what? I actually will be more productive. And I mean, in sports, so in sports, the higher levels you go in sports, the more emphasis is put on recovery. Right. Like, because you recovery. can't just overtrain yourself into exactly. excellence. That's not But possible. I do not notice that in any other industry. And physical recovery <laughs> and mental recovery, like what you put your brain through on a daily basis or what you're, you know, yeah. testing yourself and the running around and your just your energy recovery that you need, like that's just no other industry, whether you're parenting, whether you're running a business, whether you're whatever, like nobody's taking those breaks to make their performance in what they do better Mm -hmm. and better. And so the value, if you actually value what you do, then you will value the importance of recovery in order to get better and to actually be able to perform at your best. Again, whether it's parenting, whether it's in a career in your business, whether it's trying to do all of those things all at the same time. Right. I mean, that's exactly. yeah. Yeah. Heather, this has been fantastic. I could talk to you all day, but I know you have a dinner to go to. And is there anything else that you want to share or chat about before we wrap up today? I'll give you a chance at the very end to talk about where everybody can find you because that's critical and that will be in the show notes. But is there anything else that you're like, nope, they also need to hear this thing and Sam didn't ask me about it? Oh gosh, I don't know. Like there's so much we could talk about. We could just talk. I know. Is this part one? Is this part Part one? one. Maybe it's part one. Maybe it's like, and we will, we'll be back again. Don't you guys worry. The Canadian show will come back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like those living in the how piece Mm -hmm. is really, really important, but those questions are kind of part of a group of key questions that I've kind of put together for people. And one of them, it's not a how question. It's a question to doubt your doubt. So again, mm. the moving from each section yeah. and the question is very simple. It's, are you sure? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's, are you sure? Because when I started doing research into the things that stop us from moving forward, we talked a little bit about the fear of failure, which is not actually failure that we fear, but part of it is self-limiting beliefs. And a lot of it is assumptions. Mm-hmm. And so we assume like literally assume way too many things like, oh my gosh, that person's going to say no, or I'm too tall for that, or I'm not qualified enough, or I'm too qualified, or like just we assume like a ridiculous amount of things on a daily basis. And if we can learn to catch ourselves in those, then we can just say, are you sure? Like, oh, I can't go to that. It's sold out by now. Like, are you sure? Or I can't afford that. Are you sure? Or like, I could never make that happen. Are you sure? Like, have you checked? Have Mm -hmm. you actually checked? And until you have checked, you're not sure you're just assuming you are like, so part of that is again, questioning those assumptions and questioning yourself, these self-limiting beliefs that are usually stories we've been holding on to since we were kids. Mm -hmm. So if people can take these things away from them to like live in the how, like add that how question to everything. Like, how can I, how can I do this? How can I overcome this? How can I thrive? You know, how close can I get? But also as soon as you have any of those little, like I can't in there. Yep. And you have to say, are you sure? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just want the best for everyone. And whether that is helping them get to the next level or helping them realize that just because they can get to the next level doesn't mean 
they need to get to the next level doesn't mean they need to like for me it's not about this outward material definition of success it is about feeling success like the fulfillment which is actually feeling successful which is very different from the outward material success it's about sometimes the impact we can make the choices we make the ripple of effective action from things we say things we do yeah that's it I mean my book doesn't really talk about those things, like the things like the key questions. That's kind of a newer thing for me. But my book is Redefining Realistic. It's a personal development book, but it's also kind of balanced with anecdotes from overcoming different challenges along the way, from different ways, how I developed certain perspectives and philosophies along the way. I actually had someone contact me for coaching. And then he said, but beforehand, I ordered your book. So I'm going to read your book first. And then after he read the book, he goes, I'm good. I'm good. So <laughs> I, I don't need you book, anymore. Your book was yeah, fantastic. My book was enough. So I lost a client that way. Cool. But I think for him, he just needed a ship. For him, it was just a ship. He actually was yeah. extremely successful already. And he was just at this point of transition in his life. And mm-hmm. so he needed coaching. He just needed either the wording or something either I would have said, but it was written instead where it just made him think like in a different way. And he's like, you know what? Okay. I'm good. And sometimes that's all people need is just a little shift of how to look at something. So. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole goal of having a coach, right? Is to hire you, to hire me, to engage in any of the, you know, material that we're putting out there, whether it's books or podcasts or whatever, it's, if it can impact one person to figure out where they go next, what they do next, how they accomplish the thing, how they don't accomplish the thing because it's not their goal, whatever that might be, that's the whole point. That's why we're all doing this, right? People, I think, think that getting a coach like this is like, oh, I shouldn't need that. But I'm a coach, but I also have a coach. Me too. I didn't grow up in business and I didn't grow up, you know, doing these things. You need coaches to help you through these things. And I had a coach as an athlete. So if I wanted to reach another level as an athlete, I got a coach. So if you want to reach another level, whether it's in your career or your business or just taking your life, like how to design your life and live your life, if you want to take that to a next level of fulfillment, you sometimes need help. And sometimes it's just the person to say the right thing or to help you see things in a different way and to help shift the way you are approaching something. It's just brilliant. I love when you see that. You know the one I'm talking about, the light bulb. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, Where you're like, oh, oh there we God. go. That's everything I needed to say to you. I wish yeah. I'd known that was and the one sentence. Like, I just oh, never thought about it that way. Like, that's just mm-hmm. it's the best part. It's awesome. Yep. I love it. Yeah, it is. Thank you so much for joining oh me today. Oh, my gosh. This was great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I will put your website, of course, in the show notes, but where do you connect with people the most? Is it on the website or is it elsewhere? The website is a lot for people who are hiring for speakers, or if you want private coaching and stuff, you could go through there or any kind of coaching. Like you can kind of contact me through there anyway, for anything really. I mean, I'm on social media, mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter's there, but I would say mostly on Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) But also, I know you're going to provide my website in the show notes. I can also give a link to my book. It's audio or hardcover, or you can get the softcover on Amazon, but hardcover comes directly from me. So I can sign those before they go. Oh, very cool. Yeah. The audio book also is available. I will also give a link to a landing page that it's kind of a gift. It'll be a gift for your viewers and listeners. It's just like a mini video series that's just short bursts of, like videos that are between two to five minutes, I'd say. And just for a couple of months, every week, getting kind of this burst of, of inspiration, of perspective, motivation, like just a little bit of shift. So 
I love that. So throughout that series, towards the end of that series, a notification will probably come in maybe as things get closer to details on the retreats, even if we might just send something out. If you are interested in information on those, you know, then sign up and people can decide and then we'll hold webinars on strategy sessions and planning and very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Heather. I'll let you head off to your dinner and we will keep in touch for sure. Wonderful. Thank you.